0: Pushing buttons and pulling triggers. This
1: is Gun Funny. Well, welcome to Gun Funny, episode 158. Today, I'm going to chat with Julie Gollop, discuss the latest news in the California magazine ban court case, highlight a 22LR conversion kit from CMMG and talk about the latest efforts to demonize people who object to the coronavirus restrictions. I am your host, Ava Flannell, and Julie, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. I was trying to think the last time that I had you on the show. It's probably been, honestly, probably about two years now.
0: It has been a while. It's been too long. Let's it has. Put it that way. Yeah, no <laughs> kidding.
1: That's exactly why I asked you back. A lot has changed since then. So yeah, I definitely wanted to have you back. Before we talk about what you've been up to, though, I'm going to talk about Manicore Arms real quick. So if you guys have the Tavor X95, I highly recommend the cantilever forend. It's in stock right now, and it's a really great upgrade. Mostly because one of the key benefits is the barrel is free floated after the upgrade compared to the stock forend, which gives you quite a bit of advantage. Check it out at ManicoreArms.com. Don't forget to use the code GunFunny15, and that gets you 15% off.
0: Learn the things you never knew on Deconstructing the Industry.
1: All right. So let's see if I have this all right. So for listeners who aren't familiar with who you are, you're a mother, a competition shooter for Smith & Wesson, quite the cook, and also an author. Yeah. Did I leave? What else? Did I leave anything out?
0: Uh, you know, I think we all wear many hats. I, I'm a veteran. I served in the army for about eight years. And yeah, that's about everything. That's me in a nutshell, I guess. <laughs> it's
1: crazy. Yeah. And you've also won a ton of shooting competitions. Can you just name a few of those?
0: Uh, you know, I it's I have a hard time keeping track of them. You know, I don't sit there and, you know, memorize everything that I've won. I have a, a number of USPSA national titles I'm the reigning IPSC Ladies Classic World Champion for the world shoot that happened three years ago. Now, four years ago, thanks to COVID, there's not one this year. <laughs> mm. So I got another year in. <laughs> <laughs> and I've done well in field challenge, the Yankee. I shoot a lot of different things. And so that's what I love about being able to shoot for Smith & Wesson specifically, because I get to shoot so many different divisions and so many different shooting sports. Pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, definitely. All right. So the reason why I had you come on not only because it's been a long time, but I wanted to personally tell you that Smith & Wesson is now sponsoring me. So we're officially on the same team. Wow. Yeah. That's great news. So what what all are you going to do? So who would have known after all these years of practicing, I mean, (laughs) seven years, that that would put me right there with you, Jerry Miklec. This is crazy. Well, yes.
0: I mean, <laughs> you know it's, it's 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 I'm just kidding it's, it's dirty right
1: <laughs> so actually it's funny because listeners you guys don't know but When Smith & Wesson said that they were going to sponsor the show, I immediately contacted Julie because I was just like, oh my gosh, who can I share this with? And so I contacted you and I was like, guess what? Smith & Wesson's going to sponsor me. And you're like, oh, we're teammates? And I laughed so loud because (laughs) all I kept thinking was, oh, Julie's probably in the back of her mind thinking, well, there goes the team. Well, we had a decent team until I don't know what they were thinking, but they let Ava join. I just thought that that was funny that that was your reaction. Oh, we're teammates? So, no, I will not be a sponsored shooter. I don't even do competition shooting. But I am really, really excited to just be working with Smith & Wesson. And it's also just kind of crazy to think that seven years ago when I started in this industry, I just remember always you were one of the first people that I would watch videos and just that I admired all these other people that I know now, I didn't even know who they were seven years ago. So it's just so weird to me that admiring you from such a distance and now not to say that we're on the same level, but it's just kind of, it's just kind of crazy. Like it's still like hard for me to comprehend, I guess.
0: Well, it's it's awesome. I'm so glad that I got to be one of the first people to congratulate you. But it's, it's really funny because I When I started shooting when I was a kid, I was 14 years old in upstate New York, just, you know, going to the range with my dad, doing the shooting sport thing, you know, no big aspirations or anything. But when I became a junior in high school, a local Smith & Wesson rep came by and watched me shoot. And they were actually my first sponsor. What I love so much about the company is it really identifies people and especially women in the shooting world that have so much potential and it gives them those opportunities. So my very, very, very first sponsor, then sponsor ever was actually Smith & Wesson when I was a kid. And it's funny how all things come full circle. And I'm just so happy for you and so proud of all that you've done.
1: That's crazy. I didn't realize that they were your first sponsor.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Talk about where do I go from here?
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's so funny i have like vhs videos of shooting matches with like the little jersey on it's like a size medium men's shirt and i'm like 14 and tiny (laughs) big at. it looks like how did was she wearing a tent or something how does that even work (laughs) right but um but it's yeah it's 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 pretty cool and and of course you know from product minds to women in the company that are you know vice president level it's it's really cool to be involved with a company that sports money
1: Absolutely. I know. Absolutely. Yeah. I honestly, it was really hard for me to even keep this a secret because I guess we kind of signed the deal a little while ago, but it was hard for me to keep a secret and not announce it on the air just because I was so excited that I just wanted to tell everyone. But yeah, I'm just ecstatic to be working with such an amazing company. So, so yeah, so there's that. Who are some of your other sponsors?
0: Well, I um, I also shoot for Federal Premium and for Trijicon and Safari Land. Those are my primary sponsors. I also do a lot of work with Caldwell, Tipton and Wheeler. They're uh, accessories companies, earmuffs, that sort of stuff. But uh, it's it's a great arrangement. I've got my ammo taken care of. I've got my rigs, my holsters, and all that good stuff taken care of, <laughs> and optics and sights. So I've got I'm I'm very very fortunate. Very yeah, fortunate.
1: definitely. I'm assuming that you work alongside uh, with 22 Plankster with Federal.
0: I do at times. Yeah, we've done a few ambassador summits and that sort of thing. And we did a little like splitting card shoot off. He's, he's a great guy. He's so he fun is. and he's so talented. And it just he just makes you feel just relaxed. You yeah. know, it's, it's great. Yeah,
1: I agree. I actually I probably talk to him probably about twice a week. He's become a pretty good friend of mine. But yeah, it's just he is. He's a really funny guy. Okay. So since you've been on, which we're assuming two years, it could have been, I mean, it could have been even longer because I think as of this month, actually, I think the show's now been around for three years. So what has, yeah. So what's been new since you've been on last?
0: Oh, new, (laughs) like everything has changed. (laughs) (laughs) It was like like the most bizarre year ever. Oh, I know. Um, It's, you know, normally life is, is like in cycles or seasons for me because I'm you know, I have my down season in the fall. I'm working on show stuff and new product launches, in, you know, for Shot Show, and then show season hits, and then it's springtime is all about spring training to get ready for summer nationals, and then fall nationals and world shoots and stuff like that, and then it just you know goes in the cycle, right? Mm-hmm. And and amongst all of that, I have children and a husband and you know all the things that I'm balancing. But this year. Holy cow, like everything is, I don't even know what's going on this year. <laughs> it's right. Like, it's so not
1: typical. I know. It really is. So, all of my events have gone canceled. And I'm used to, at yeah. first, I was kind of like, oh, okay, well, this is kind of nice stay at home, catch up on projects that I haven't had a <laughs> no chance to do. But now right. I'm at the point where I'm like, okay, I'm just, I'm ready to travel. I miss seeing the people that I always see because I do have a lot of friends in the industry. And really, the only time that I get to see them are at these events. And yeah, this year has just been completely upside down. I can't even, I honestly, I never would have thought in my lifetime that I would see something like this.
0: Uh, yeah, it's it's been completely unpredictable. I think it will continue to be that way. But you're so right. I mean, so many of my friends, I, you know, I, I see 10 times over the spring and summer because I'm shooting with them, right? Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, yeah, I'll see you, see you next week in Florida. Okay, I'll see you next week in Oregon or wherever it is. And I haven't seen anyone.
1: <laughs> like have have no you one. seen a lot more friends though locally?
0: Not at all. Oh. My daughter has an autoimmune disease that required us. I mean, we were basically quarantine life in March of this past year. So that's been my number one goal. So I haven't traveled at all. I haven't really done anything. The range that, you know, I just shoot on my range. I haven't been to any other ranges, even in the area. Of course, many of them closed for the longest time. And you just don't know. It's so hard to make plans. I feel so bad for uh, so many people who had, you know, saved up money to go shoot matches or go to a show this year, NRA show or wherever. And Mm -hmm. they just haven't been able to because of this crazy, crazy year. I know.
1: I know. Yeah, I actually I have a pretty decent amount in airfare vouchers because of all this. (laughs) (laughs) Mm, <laughs> at least I was able to definitely. I mean at least I was able to get credit for it, but it's like uh, you know, because literally all these events were just shutting down one by one. And there's a few events coming up, like a Big Daddy Unlimited epic shoot in November. It's apparently still going on. I have plans to attend, but I don't know. At this point, it's like things can change overnight. I'm also wondering if shot shows even gonna happen. I wouldn't be surprised if they cancel that. It's just it's crazy.
0: I don't know. It's it's you know you could flip a coin. You Mm -hmm. know it's it's one of those strange things, and I think you just have to stop and and go. All right, well if it if it goes on, great. And if it doesn't, oh well. And and as soon as things settle, and one thing I will say that I appreciate about what this has done for the industry is it's kind of changed how we share information. Mm-hmm. and the importance of really communicating with fans of a brand and that sort of thing. So it's exciting to see. And I know like federal, for example, they're doing these like demo shows for dealers and they're stepping up in a way to do things virtually that I, in never in a million years would I have thought the gun industry would have done that. Right. Um, but it's really neat to see um, in that regard. And I mean, it's not the same. You know how it is. You, you want to see a new firearm. You want to go handle it. You want to, you want to get that first impression. You know, heft, weight, mm-hmm. feel, size, all of that. And so, to rely on, um, you know, just virtual tools like that, it really tests, uh, you know, the industry in new ways. But you know, with things like what you're doing with a podcast and some other stuff, people can get and get good idea of what may or may not work for them. And they're they're looking for that information too. So I think we're consuming so much more more information now. It's like, I have no internet anymore. I used to have okay internet. Now, like everybody's on the internet, so I have no internet.
1: <laughs> That's, yeah, right. I actually, I noticed that during the whole stay at home order. I'm like, okay, what is going on with my internet? Calling the internet company like, yeah, it's not working. I'm paying for a certain speed and I'm doing the speed tests. I'm not even getting like half of that. And it's because everyone was on the internet. But it definitely has changed a lot, and it kind of makes me wonder if this stuff is going to change a lot of things, even if things kind of do change and kind of go back to normal. I wonder if people are kind of going to adapt to these ways and do a lot more Zoom meetings and virtual shows and stuff like that. I don't know. I'm interested to see what the future holds and if this does change anything. I know even during the whole stay-at-home order, because there were so many people that bought new guns. There was, oh, I forget how many, I think it was like 9 million guns sold in the last couple months. And I think 40% of those were new gun owners. So of course they need training, but they can't get any training because everything's closed. So I was teaching online, which obviously was difficult and you can tell them how to do something. And luckily I think I explained things pretty well and I demonstrate things well, but it's still, it's not the same.
0: No, sometimes you just need somebody to take your hand and and, mm-hmm. and hold it just the right way and say nope. All
1: you need to do is this. Exactly. And it makes
0: all the difference, and it's a perfect example, especially with new gun owners. You don't know what you don't know, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's definitely made uh, people in the industry, especially trainers or uh, educators, teachers, that sort of thing, stop and go. All right. I thought I was good at my job, <laughs> right? but now now I've, this is a new challenge, right? <laughs> Just how am I going to make this work?
1: Yeah, definitely. I'm going to take a quick break real quick, talk about SB Tactical. If you guys have the SIG MPX or the MCX, you should check out the mpx dash. PSB Brace. And it's a three position adjustable brace compatible with both the MPX and MCX. And it gives you a nice, very compact collapse package. When I shot the MPX, one of the things that I didn't like was the factory brace because the rubber part kept rotating and moving around, and it was just really unstable. This is a great alternative since there's two steel rods and it gives great support. In addition to that, it won't rotate like the factory SIG brace. And it is available for $199. But if you use the code GUNFUNNY15, you will get 15% off. And that is at sb-tactical.com. Julie, last time I talked to you, you were writing a book, a children's book. Have you had an opportunity to come out with any other books? No.
0: (laughs) No, not really. (laughs) I'm working on, I had aspirations of launching a cookbook this fall. But it's so funny. Even with being at home, I'm so much more busy, yeah. uh, busier than I ever thought I would be. Especially with having two kids, little ones at home, um, I, ha- I don't have that like, oh, I'm just going to sit down and write for a couple of hours <laughs> <laughs> <It's> leisure. <laughs> it doesn't doesn't work that way so much. It's more like, okay, what do you need to learn, say, kid? You know, right? <laughs> and uh, all that stuff. So it's definitely something I'm working on, but the timeline has been stretched. So. If Uh, Basically, a wild
1: game cookbook. And
0: it doesn't mean I haven't been cooking because we've been eating well. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) Every time,
1: everything. (laughs) Every time I look at your story on Instagram, I'm just like, oh, cool. What is Julie cooking next? Well, I made a pizza in the oven, you know, microwave, you know, whatever pizza in the oven. (laughs) But it is pretty crazy how much I honestly think that you should come up with a cookbook.
0: I, you know, it's that's my hope. It'll be one of the things that I love about shooting sports and being able to travel the world thanks to shooting is the fact that I got to try so many different cuisines. And mm-hmm. we eat a lot of that at home. where like, oh, well, let's have, you know, some of this from Greek. Let's have Greek tonight. Let's, you know, let's do this from, you know, I remember this dish when I was in Ecuador. and We can kind of do that, which is fun. And then making a recipe work with wild game, because it's different than cooking mm-hmm. with like chicken or, or beef or pork. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun, but it's going to happen. One day it will happen. Let me just say that. That day isn't anytime soon, but <laughs> it will.
1: As soon as you stop becoming a homeschooler and, you know, a homeschool teacher. <laughs> and uh, I couldn't even imagine right. having a homeschool. All my friends that have kids, they're all losing their mind. I'm like, hey, you guys want to go out for lunch? I can't. They have to do their homework. And some of my <laughs> friends only have one kid. And I'm like, okay all right, simmer down, simmer down. They're like, I'm losing my mind. He's not doing his work. And so I feel for all of the parents, whether the kid is doing the work or not, I could still imagine that it can't be easy. But that's one of the reasons why I think you should come out with a cookbook is because you do use wild game. And I know that that comes with challenges because the meat isn't as tender or it might taste a little gamey. And so you find ways around that, which majority of the people think that that's one of the reasons why a lot of people don't go hunting is because they don't really know exactly how to prepare the meat.
0: That's absolutely a concern for a lot of people. And it's funny, I cook more venison now than I do a lot of other things. And so for me, it's just second nature. And it's very simple um, what you, you know, to do to make it work. But if you don't know that and you treat it just like anything else,
1: you could end up with shoe leather. <laughs> yeah,
0: gave me shoe leather, <laughs> which nobody really wants that so much.
1: <laughs> I know. So all of the meat that you typically cook—is it something that you've hunted, or just a friend or family member has hunted?
0: Oh no, no, it's it's um, both. My husband and I hunt, and my oldest daughter. She was 11 last year. She got her first gear last year.
1: Oh wow! And um,
0: so we. We all do that. You know, we hunt as a family and I actually butcher the deer myself. Um, Wow. So I, like from start to finish, it's the whole process and you know and understand where your food's coming from and you can be a part of the process Mm -hmm. and you just appreciate it so much the more. Like I can't even think about you know, when I'm getting food out of the freezer in the week, I'm like, all right, we got to eat this because I'm not going to let it go to waste kind of thing. Whereas you might let that, you know, oh, well, that chicken smells a well little bad. must be we
1: didn't cook it in
0: time kind of thing. You know, yeah. Which, yeah. You're like, you're like, like,
1: like yeah. I literally climbed a mountain. I went through the forest. I butchered this thing. I made sure that there was no weird tendons or whatever. We, were <laughs> we are eating this meat. We are eating meat tonight. That's crazy, <laughs> yeah. though, that you butcher it and everything. I don't know uh, I don't know if I could do that and then eat the meat. I think I would just constantly keep going back to that moment of what it looked like when I was butchering it.
0: It's, you know, it's funny because, well, you've eaten at plenty of high end restaurants, you know, when they bring the cart over and there's like hunks of meat, usually yeah. bone and stuff like that. Um, I think the, the hardest thing for most people is to get over the gutting of the deer from yeah. the internals, right? That's, that's kind of the messiest part. Um, After that, it's, not very bloody at all. And I think the other thing that's really hard for people is dealing with a head, you know, like they just, especially us in America, we're like, we get weirded out by you know, mm-hmm. whether it's a fish head or an animal head <laughs> or whatever. Um, so once you can kind of get over that part of it, um, it's just, it's just like, you know, carving up a chicken, you know, you like, instead of having legs and drumsticks and that sort of th- thighs, Ready for you at the grocery store. You just buy a whole chicken and cut it up that way. Um, but it's you know it's not for everybody. But I think you'd be surprised once you get over that initial like oh okay <laughs> you want me to do what I got to reach where I got to do what <laughs> do right. the night? <laughs> 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 to <laughs> to hanging it and skinning it and then you're just like oh this is like being in a meat locker at a you know at a fancy butcher shop that where they're gonna
1: give me some filet mignon. yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. I didn't realize. I just envisioned it just being the entire process, just very bloody. But I guess you're right. And then also another thing I learned within the last couple of years is that the minute you hunt something and it dies, you pretty much have to remove a lot of the meat at that point because it essentially rots.
0: So you definitely need to cool the animal down. And if you're in a cold area, this is not as Stressful as it can be if you're like down in Georgia, right? Mm-hmm. But that's why people will gut a deer, removing all the internal organs, so that it helps cool down the cavity. And yes, from the moment an animal passes, you have to think about how you're going to process it. And by getting it cool, you can make sure that it doesn't start to, you know, I wouldn't say rot, but it it does change things. And if it's not cooled down, it it won't be very good. It mm-hmm. will not be very tasty. And you also have to make sure. Like when you're processing the deer, that you um, don't get any hair on it. Like you want to keep it as hairless as possible because that's actually what contributes to the gaminess hmm. of meat more than a lot of things. Um, is if the hair gets packaged in and it's, I mean, that's what's rotting. <laughs> I mean, Interesting. It's gross, right? Yeah, <laughs> so I didn't think about that food. though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's a big deal. Huh.
1: So for the most part, it looks like you essentially live off the land because you're always posting pictures of gardening. And especially after this whole COVID thing, I think a lot of people have sort of reassessed their lives and it's made them realize, okay, if things really do go south, and we saw even at the grocery store, depending on the week, it was, all right, well, they're low on meat. They're low on toilet paper. They're low on just random things. At one point, there was a shortage on blue cheese. And I'm just like, who who's <laughs> deciding this? How do they even yeah, okay, boy. well, what will next week bring? But it does kind of make you realize how much you rely on society for all of your essentials. So I think a lot of people are now thinking, well, maybe I should buy land somewhere and and try to focus on living more off the land and being less reliant on that.
0: you know, I think it's a great point. i don't I wouldn't say that I live off the land, but I would say that I'm capable of being able to, should I have to? Mm-hmm. So we have chickens and we, you know, hunt meat. Um, and my little garden is nothing spectacular, but I grew beans for crying out loud. <laughs> <laughs> like I'd I never had a garden before. And so um, some things I grow really, really well, like radishes. I had radishes coming out of my ears, <laughs> um, but I can't seem to grow a tomato, my favorite thing to save my life. <laughs> But I think that I think one of the things that COVID has really shown a lot of people is that they have become reliant on entertainment from society Mm -hmm. and not from themselves. And they don't think about, you know, you you mentioned house projects and stuff like that. So many people started doing that because they weren't leaving their house to go everywhere. They Mm -hmm. weren't going to see a movie every weekend. They weren't going out to dinner. And so they kind of had this nesting mentality to make their house really a home. And along with that comes, you know, oh, well, if I grow a garden or maybe I'll have some backyard chickens or that sort of thing. Um, and then you have the other flip side. You have genuine people who are thinking about like, I want to be off grip, people. I'm tired of this. <laughs> like, yeah. the COVID ain't coming to my house, you know, kind of thing. And I've always loved living in the country. I love you know, being able to just come back and and take care of our property, it's it gives me a really sense of ownership, I guess, and and a responsibility to my little you know piece of the pie in the world. Yeah. Um. And it's it's something I really enjoy a lot. Um. We went from COVID. We went from like. Six, seven, eight chickens. To I think we have fifty now. Wow, <laughs> <As a> ducks. <laughs> lots of different things. But my girls love them. They spend hours outside every day petting and playing with chickens and Aww. and stuff like that. So it's it's a it's a neat thing to be able to see and you know understand how the cycle of life works and mm-hmm. and try to grow a tomato if you can. Right. Unfortunately, I can't so well.
1: <laughs> you know, this is the first year that I've actually grown. So I grew basil, not mm-hmm. because I was going to eat it, but it just kind of looked pretty and i was like oh i'll just add this to my flower pot and then it's like taken mm-hmm. over and it smells so nice and so now i'm like well maybe i'll just you know get some tomatoes mozzarella you know put some basil and be like oh <laughs> i grew this basil <laughs> no big deal <laughs> <laughs> and then i went to a nursery and it's just crazy just all of the science behind some of these plants so now they're able to make mint strawberry flavored pineapple flavored so i bought oh the my strawberry one yeah I bought the strawberry one thinking, "Oh, I'm going to make mojitos, strawberry mojitos." <laughs> but it's it's interesting because the leaves are pretty small and I don't know if that's just how it should be or if they just haven't grown to full potential. I don't know, it's really weird, but it's definitely increased. It's probably 6 times as big as when I bought it. That's and then great. And then just yesterday I bought a lemon tree that I'm going to I'm going to raise in my home. I'm not planting it outside. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Right, right, and and Especially all I kept you live.
1: And, and all I kept thinking was, oh, my cocktails are gonna love these lemons. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but I love how That's the funny, first though. two plants that I bought, I'm thinking alcohol related. Oh, I need some <laughs> lemons. I need some mint. <laughs> so we'll see how the lemon tree turns out. But I really do enjoy gardening, and I have plants inside, outside, everywhere. I look like the flower lady. And it's just, it's crazy because I was never really interested in gardening. My mom used to do it all the time. And I used to think, oh, what a waste of time. And now I do it. And it's just, it's so relaxing. And I don't know, I just think it's so fun to see something grow. And even this year also, it was the first time that I've planted seeds and bulbs. And just recently, so you're like, I don't know if they're going to come up. And then by the time they come up, you forget what you planted. So you're like, all right, we'll see what kind of flower comes. Out. I don't even remember what yeah, I picked out. Yeah. And then just the other day, it, a flower bloomed and I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so glad I picked this, you know, past <laughs> me was so smart. <laughs> but yeah, I do enjoy it.
0: It is. It's it's very soothing. And um, I when I I dug my garden by hand, we didn't, you know weren't able to rent any tools or anything else. It was literally me and my youngest daughter with a shovel Mm -hmm. and my husband helped from time (laughs) to time. And we just were like, let's do this, you know, kind of thing. But now, I mean, it looks good. I mean, it's not as beautiful as what your place sounds like, but you know, it looks neat. I've got like a trellis of beans and you know, it's just, it's just a neat thing. And I would never, I've never been able to do it. I've never had the time. I mean, it's always during, you know, training, shooting season, like, I'm not going to spend time weeding. Like, yeah. what? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, it's definitely changed the pace and thinking of, of what what is also important, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it kind of seems like there has been some silver lining to the whole COVID thing, as much as I still hate it. But there has been a lot of things that I've been able to focus on that I'm grateful for. Changing the subject a little bit. Let's talk about, well, for one, so I know you have the Smith & Wesson M&P Shield Easy, whether it's mm-hmm. in 380 or 9mm. What do you think about that gun?
0: I love this firearm. I have every version of it that we make from 380 to 9 to the Performance Center version. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, the one thing that irritates me about the reception of this firearm is the automatic assumption that it's a girl gun, right? hmm or it's a it's someone only for someone who has hand issues it's a great gun period I mean, yeah. it's, it has it's just easy to use it's everything about it is easy and why does it make it a girl gun right like no i mean it's it's easy everybody should want easy right mm-hmm. <laughs> um but i i love it. it it shoots so well everything about the design makes sense i think for so many new gun owners and and when you explain the features, most people are able to understand it in a way like, oh, oh, okay, that makes sense. But I think it was a, you know, home run all the way. Yeah.
1: I think that it honestly changed the industry. Because previously, let's say somebody did lack hand string, for the most part, people would be like, oh, you need a revolver. And typically, mm-hmm. it's still going to have a lot of recoil. So I honestly think that the easy has definitely changed the industry. There isn't a gun out there that is easier to use. And you're right. It doesn't mean that you have to be where you lack hand strength or muscle or whatever. Anyone can use this. And it's enjoyable to use. And it doesn't just have to be limited to a certain demographic or people who might have arthritis or something. But it's just it's really enjoyable to use. And it's made my job as an instructor much easier, too, especially, you know, because I think also when you first start, you have to just understand the whole concept of racking back that slide and if yep. you don't really understand, you're kind of doing that pull push, you know, but it's it's so awkward that once you get that function down, then you're like, "Oh okay, and you can apply it to other guns, but it definitely helps when you have a much easier gun like I learned on a twenty two and once I got comfortable with a twenty two mm-hmm. then I moved on to nine and stuff like that. But once you kind of learn the fundamentals and figure out how the gun operates, it just makes it so much easier to branch out
0: absolutely, I think like the you mentioned twenty-two specifically. Like the M&P 22 compact is such an ideal firearm for gun owners because obviously it's very easy to rack the slide. It's more like a full-size gun in exactly. that it's, you know, it's similar in size. Mm-hmm. But so many people wouldn't make the investment in just buying a twenty-two unless you're a trainer, right? Um, but everybody is like, no, you know, I don't want a twenty-two. I want a nine or I want a three eighty or whatever. And so I feel like. They just jump in the deep end without being able to really master those gun handling skills that you need to be Mm -hmm. able to do as a gun owner. Yeah. And uh, I think the EZ is
1: just perfect for that. Yeah, I absolutely agree. What is your go-to range gun? Oh, it's whatever I have going on at the time. You're like, whatever I find in the backseat of my car.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So if I'm, you know, if obviously if like a single sec nationals is popping up, I'll be using a 1911 or if I'm shooting carry optics division, I'll use an M&P core and that sort of thing. I'll tell you this though, um, with COVID, I've done a whole lot more open carry around my little farm, you know, Mm -hmm. just inside because I don't go anywhere and I am loving my M&P compacts. The four inch model, it's like this perfect little Goldilocks kind of like where have you been <laughs> all my life? I think mean, I've been like long slide, long slide, long slide, you know, like yeah. I feel like here about five inches. But this thing is like just a great size, and so I'll just put it on my hip and go out and hang out with the chickens, or you know, do some gardening, or you know, mow the lawn, or what have you. And it's it's really I really like that kind of lot.
1: Nice. I'll have to check. I think I actually yeah I have some experience with the compact one. And it is a good size, especially for people who are like, well, what should I carry? And they want something that's going to have, you know, a lot more mag capacity. Also kind of be thick enough where they can have a decent grip on. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, it's pretty ideal. I want to ask one of the things that I've been working on and I still have such a hard time managing. But how do you manage recoil so that the gun barely moves when you're shooting? Oh, it moves. It seems like it moves a ton. I mean, that's that's what it <laughs> feels like for me. Because you see some people, yeah. and it's just like boom, 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 and it doesn't even move. And you're like, "Are you shooting a 22 over there?" And they're like, "No, 45." And you're like, "Oh, okay, that's cool."
0: <laughs> <laughs> I I think especially as women, we have to use our bodies to the best of our abilities. So mm-hmm. I use a lot of bends. I I really believe in a thumbs forward grip with a severe wrist cant of mm-hmm. the support hand. So it's it's almost uncomfortable. And then after that, um, play with your elbow positioning. A lot of people like to bend their elbows and point them more towards the ground. And that's going to allow the recoil to, to go flip up a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you push your elbows out so that the, you know, your arms are almost parallel with the ground and mm-hmm. really add that nice bend and tighten up along the back and the, and the upper shoulder muscle, mm-hmm. that can really make a big difference. We don't have a lot of chest muscles like many yeah. men do. And so, um, you know, a lot of people say, oh, just use your chest. I'm like, Well no. <laughs> I don't really have as much muscles. But I tell you what, I have some back muscle. And so to really tighten things up along, you know, the shoulder blades and along the center of the back and, and the traps can really help. And then that elbow positioning is, is another thing to play with. And you can you can play with it on the range. You can even see it at 22, but mm-hmm. just changing where you where you have your elbows.
1: Yeah, because they say that if you push your elbows out, then that recoil kind of comes back as opposed to up. Right. If that makes sense. So I've been I have been playing around with that, but it's still just every time I watch videos of myself shooting, I'm so critical because I'm like, uh, why can't I? And I've been working out too. So I'm like, all right, I'm not I've been lifting weights and stuff. And I definitely have quite a bit of back muscle, chest muscle, you're right. It's still it's hard to form. But I do planks and stuff. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. But
1: you know, it's just, I don't know. It's just one of those things. So anytime I have another female on the show, I have to ask because we can argue all day long, men and women were the same, but physically we are different. And guys just typically Mm -hmm. build muscle in other areas more than women and vice versa. And so I'm always curious to see how people manage that recoil. Yeah. What does practicing look like for you? What do you typically do? Or does it, I'm assuming it probably depends on the event that you're practicing for.
0: Definitely uh, the event that I'm practicing for is, is has a big play. But no matter what, I, I really focus on fundamentals when I'm shooting um, because that's the basis of everything, right? And so, no, I'm not exactly working on grip and stance, that sort of mm-hmm. thing, but the basic skills of my shooting sport, whichever one that I'm competing in at the time, is what I'll really focus on. You'll see a lot of people will set up these huge, elaborate courses of fire and all these crazy drills, but they end up practicing so many things at once that they are developing bad habits in certain areas so Mm -hmm. I really like to break things down I'll shoot a lot of mini stages a lot of defined you know like all right what's the purpose of this specific drill is it to do uh, is it recoil control is it learning how to transition faster whatever the case may be I really want to dissect it and dive down that's not to say I won't set up something big or elaborate every now and again to practice that skill But I always have a plan. No matter what, I'm thinking about, all right, what do I need to work on? What am I weak in? And what do I need to improve? And at the end, I'm always like, all right, let's end on a high note with something that I'm good at
1: so I don't lose those skills. How do you deal with the pressure of everything? Because I got to believe in your position that occasionally there is quite a bit of pressure and it could be overwhelming to a degree.
0: I think it comes with maturity. Um, I think that when I was first starting out, And shooting for the army and wanting to be a national champion, everything was like, oh my gosh, this is the end of the world if this doesn't happen. And uh, now you realize that anything can change at any time, that your performance is only going to be as good as the time that you've put into it. Mm -hmm. And you have to trust that your best effort is good enough. And even if it doesn't end up winning you the title that you wanted, at the end of the day, you have to be proud of the fact that you were able to give it your all, no matter what it is, whether it's growing a tomato or, you know, shooting a national. Um, and so, you know, I've learned that pressure is just what you make of it for yourself. Mm-hmm. If you feel that, oh, I've got to be able to do this for this sponsor, or I have to be able to perform well right here, right now, because so many people are relying on me. You're just adding things. Um, whereas if you say, all right, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to give it my best. And that's all you can do, really. You can't control anything else. And having the ability to accept those two things
1: makes it a lot easier.
0: And don't get me wrong, it still sucks to lose. Yeah.
1: <laughs> like, it's, it's, well, it's,
0: it's not fun.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but I was going to say, take growing a tomato, for example. You give it your best and you don't get a tomato. So then what does that do? Like, you're like, cool, I just gave it my best. I tried as hard as I could. And I think that this is what frustrates me is when I do put a lot of effort. And typically, you would think, well, as long as I put in the effort and the work, it's going to pay off. And sometimes it doesn't.
0: Well, you have to know your why. You have to know why you're doing it. And you have to really be honest with yourself if the reason you're doing it is really worthwhile. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you can say, all right, I'm growing a freaking tomato. <laughs>
1: I'm gonna figure you're like, out, even if right? I have to go to the grocery store and tape them to the freaking plant? No.
0: <laughs> but, you you know, you know, you figure it out. You, you examine. You're like, all right, what went wrong? What went right? Were there things beyond your control? Was it was there a drought? Did it flood? You know, if you if you can't grow a tomato because it was 120 degrees and you didn't have any water, well, then guess what? It's not really your fault. I mean, yeah. Those are things beyond your control. Yeah. I think motherhood has really taught me a lot as well, because when you have children, they become a priority unlike anything else in your life, mm-hmm. and you learn to like you know micromanage the moment like all right i've this is I've got twenty minutes. I'm making this twenty minutes, everything I've got, <laughs> and then uh, you also learn that you know priorities can change, and they you know everything evolves so. It's hard not to get wrapped up around things, but as long as you know your why and what drives you and if it's worthwhile, then, you know, just pick yourself back up and, and go at it again. And sometimes you'll look back on it and go, yeah, wow, I did a really good job, even if you can't see or feel it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one more question. So do you ever get frustrated that some women work 10 times as hard, but don't get acknowledged as much as those who, let's say, use sex appeal to get ahead?
0: Ah, yes. This can be very frustrating, especially for women who are trying to break into an industry. You know, at the end of the day, it is frustrating, but you have to understand that there is ultimately a longevity issue here. Mm -hmm. If you're going to rely on things that are perishable then and not developing the things that make you good, right, Mm -hmm. Um, then that's you won't ever have as much success. And so it may be a short road, faster road, but it's the tortoise that wins the race, right? Mm -hmm. And so at the end of the day, people putting out quality content and good work and professional, just they're always dependable, that sort of thing. That's a constant that may not be appreciated upfront, but it's something that's appreciated by the people who really matter later on. So uh, it's it's easy to like oh like how does this person have so many followers and why did they or she or whatever get the deal and I don't get it. Well, that deal's going to go away. Just as sure as the reasons why she's there mm-hmm. in the first place is it, it, it's not maintainable. It's not something she can maintain. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's different. I mean, you know, sometimes you're able to do both and, you know, far be it for me to judge how people choose to to succeed in things, and so I find that, you know, even if I get frustrated over it, I can only do what I can do for myself and work on those things, be professional, be proficient, you know, be dependable and and create good work. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, exactly. that's how
1: I do it. Yeah, I completely agree. And there's times where I'm just like, well, you know, I've been working out, I have a nice body. Why don't I just go down the gun bunny route? But honestly, <laughs> it's just, it's not in me. I just, I, no. not to say that I'm some nun super conservative. It's not like, what are you doing at the pool wearing a bikini? I'm not like that. Right. I have no Local problem with Karen. that. I just think that there's a time and a place for everything. But anytime I think, yeah, stupid me, here I am taking the long route. But then I look back and I know that I couldn't do that anyways. It's just, it's not how I was raised. It's not something that I want to be known for. And if other people do that, then it is what it is. But I just know it's really not even an option for me at that point. Do you have any future plans?
0: Uh, get through 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, I, I, uh, this year has been crazy. Uh, I'm very curious to see how next year turns out. Um, it's a world shoot year for me in action. Pistol. It was this year, but it will be again next year because they canceled. They postponed the world shoot for next October. So I'll be working hard on that. Um, I have a couple of shooting goals left, uh, things that I haven't been able to do in my career. So I'm still, I'll still be plugging away at those things. The cookbook will hopefully be done at some point. But you know what, I'm just going to, you know, take things a day at a time and keep doing my best at what I can. And, you know, you just kind of move forward.
1: Mm -hmm. And I think for 2020, that's all you can do at this point.
0: (laughs) I made it (laughs) another day. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We're all days are Fridays or Mondays. Uh, Right. (laughs) I
1: know. For listeners who want to find you on Instagram or your website, where can they?
0: It's always my name, J-U-L-I-E-G-O-L-O-B. So it's at JulieGollob or JulieGollob.com on pretty much everything.
1: Okay, perfect, guys. So go ahead and give her a follow. Moving forward, IWI. <music> the Tavor X95 in 9 millimeter looks like a ton of fun. I personally, I like 9 millimeters just because it's less expensive, although 2020 has definitely increased the price of everything. Still, though, 9mm is less expensive than your typical 5.56. I really like them because it's ambidextrous, and I know that the firearms industry doesn't cater to a lot of people who are ambidextrous, so the mag release and forearm, they have removable covers, and just like the X95, you can add Mancor Arms comfort parts, so anything that fits the X95 will fit the Tavor X95 in 9mm as well. Check that out at IWI.us. Don't forget to use the code GUNFUNNY15 to get 15% off all accessories. Also, check out their theme patches. They're pretty cool. I just got some in the mail as well as a cooking apron. And I know what you're thinking, Julie, but you don't cook. Well, I don't. I totally just <laughs> did it for a photo op. No, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, I occasionally can grill some stuff. <laughs> so I used it for that. Moving forward, Political AF. Politics. What is going on in the world today? It's political California Attorney General files for en banc review of magazine decision. So as expected, the California Attorney General petitioned the Ninth Circuit last week to review the latest three-judge panel decision in the case of Duncan versus Bracerra. This is the second time the liberal ninth court has found California's band of magazines larger than 10 rounds to be unconstitutional. Now the next step is for the ninth district to decide if they will hear the on banc or not. These hearings are very time consuming. So the original ruling in this case was issued on March 29th of 2019, followed by the three-panel decision on August 14th of 2020. So you can expect easily a year, year and a half for the decisions to be reached. However, the decision, however it goes, will most likely be challenged in the U.S. Supreme Court. So if they decide to hear the case, it will easily add another year or more before a final decision is reached. And it is possible that the Ninth Circuit could vote no to review the case on banc. And such a weird word, on banc. And let the three judge panel decision stand, which would bring California's magazine freedom much faster. However, obviously, it's California, so it's extremely unlikely. But I'm definitely curious to see how this is going to play out because, depending on if it turns out that, which I agree, it's unconstitutional to have a restriction on mag capacity, but if this does go forward, it would set the present for a lot of these other states, such as Colorado, which I live in, has a 15-round mag capacity limit. So I don't know. Fingers crossed, but who knows? All right. Smith & Wesson. This is my first ad read for Smith & Wesson. Oh. All right, Julie. So I just want to know, to date, what are your three favorite guns from Smith & Wesson? This is so hard. This is like the worst. I know. So I always hate getting the question, What's your favorite gun? You're like, I don't know. Favorite gun. Yeah. I hate it. I seriously hate it. I don't know. I don't have kids, but that's like asking me to pick my favorite plant or my favorite, you know, (laughs) I just, I like them and it depends what I'm doing. Right. But what would you say you've been most impressed with or happy with?
0: So I'll, I'll go with two guns that I used for competition and one fun gun. So, uh, the M&P core I use in Carry Optics. I love being able to shoot a reliable, dependable M&P mm-hmm. in nine millimeter and be able to mount a red dot optic to it. When I first started shooting in open division, we had these crazy scope mounts and you know double stack, 38 Super Comp, all this other stuff, and it was just you know a disaster reading to happen at some point in the- fa- in time the thing would stop running, <laughs> the mm-hmm. dot would go out. it was awful, right, and so with the evolution of the industry and specifically for the Western and Trudracon, both be able to shoot a gun that's always going to run with a dot that's always reliable is just
1: awesome. So yeah, yeah, I love that gun definitely,
0: especially in, obviously love, in
1: your line of work oh, as well right <laughs> right, because it's um, the last thing you want to do is oh, just malfunction, so you have to make sure. Not to say that anybody else can have any room for error because they can't, because mostly we're relying on these guns for protection. But you have to make sure that your gun is flawless and you can absolutely rely on it so that if you do win or lose, it's more user error than anything.
0: Right, right. And that's honestly why I don't do that many modifications my firearms i'll put a trigger i'll have a trigger job done in my
1: mcs from time to
0: time Mm -hmm. um but after that i'm not fooling around with anything else yeah changing out barrels i'm not changing out springs or guide rods or anything like that because you know it's a reflection on the company uh if my gun malfunctions Mm -hmm. after i've done something to it and and i just love knowing that i can just pick it up and just gonna run all Mm -hmm. the time love it right yeah so the second gun um is Just a pure joy. It's nine millimeter nineteen eleven. So the performance center makes one with a pro series version, and you know, for all of the the guys out there who are like, "Oh, forty five, that's the way to go," a nineteen (laughs) eleven, I encourage you just to go try and shoot a nine millimeter nineteen eleven. The gun has enough heft to it, and that combined with shooting nine millimeter, it is just a dream to shoot. (laughs) It's Hmm. like it is so soft shooting. And uh, there's just something about the 1911. I grew up, I grew up shooting 1911, so it's like my first love. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I just love that gun. <laughs> <laughs> and and then, then the third, uh, the third one is uh, an M&P 10. I, I, use it to hunt with. I just love shooting 308 out of a semi-auto platform. You know, throw a nice Trichicon Credo on top, and it's like, boom, perfect for like out to 300, 600 yards, whatever. And I shoot deer
1: with it. I, I just love that gun. It's so much fun. Hmm. Okay. Nice. Anytime, I don't know, AR-10s, huh, maybe call me a baby. But anytime I've had a like, shoot just standing, I'm just, I think I just need better mechanisms, like some upgraded parts on it, or maybe it's just the gun that I was shooting. But it just always seems like it just has a lot of recoil to it. So. Really? Uh, yeah. So I'll have to check out the, the one that Smith & Wesson makes. And I know how to properly grip the gun and how to shoulder and stuff, mm-hmm. but it just kind of seems like it just wants to, yeah, like blow me away.
0: <laughs> really? Wow. It's so surprising. Because I, you know, with hunting, a lot of people will typically shoot 308 in mm-hmm. a lighter bolt action rifle, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, living in Montana for as long as I did, I have a super, super light three oh eight bolt action rifle that's like the hardest thing to shoot well, because it kicks like a mule. There's no weight to it at all, but it's great if you have to trek around in the woods or yeah. fields or whatever. But my m p 10, it's hefty. It's a beast. I'm not going to lie. I call it beast. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> beast. But it is like compared side by side. It's like, oh, this thing is just like a, a kitten. Right. <laughs> it's so
1: <soft. laughs> I don't know. I just love it. <laughs> mm. Nice. All right. Moving forward to Q&A. Q&A. There's no such
0: thing as a stupid question. Just kidding. Visit gunfunny.com forward slash contact to submit yours.
1: Today's question is, how do you deal with criticism? Julie, do you want to go first? Sure. Ignore it. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I mean, Um, that's what they always say, right? But it's really hard to do.
0: (laughs) That's true. You know, in the wise words of Theodore Roosevelt, the critics doesn't count, right? Mm -hmm. Especially if they're not really involved and they don't really know what they're talking about or they're not putting the effort, right? So somebody can criticize you for X, Y, and Z, but if they're not doing anything themselves, their value automatically goes down. Mm -hmm. However, constructive criticism is extremely valuable. Mm -hmm. And if you have the mindset of looking at something like, well, why is this person criticizing me? Is it because they don't like the way I look? Well, guess what? I can't do a whole lot about that. Is it because maybe I need to work on my diction or maybe I didn't handle this in the right way and it could be a potential learning experience. So looking at it from that view, I always try, although it is hard, to figure out if if it's coming from a good place and if it's worthwhile to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. Um, And if it is, try to fix it. But if it's not, it's just one of those things you just have to. Say okay, well, you're not in the arena with me, buddy. You know, you can't. You you aren't you aren't even a player in the game. Mm-hmm. So guess what? You don't matter. Yeah, <laughs> that's my advice, I guess. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's good advice. I think you just. I think people get too wrapped up in other people's opinions, and that will definitely set the stage for whether you're going to be successful or not. Because if you just let it bother you and it prevents you from moving forward, then what good is that? Constructive criticism. I'm always open to that. I'll even ask other instructors, all right, watch me shoot. What do you think I'm doing wrong? <laughs> right, and, right. You want to be better. Yeah, exactly. I do know a few weeks ago when I was on Colin Noir's podcast, and I knew he posted it because my phone kept blowing up. And I'm like, what's going on? And then I realized, oh, it's because he post the show. And I was just so nervous. I hated the interview that I did. I just thought that I did such a horrible job. And I'm like, I'm not even going to read the comments. I'm just going to keep moving forward, not even look at the comments. And I even messaged Koleon and said that I was nervous to look at the comments and I wasn't going to. And he's like, why? And then he's like, everyone likes you. It's me that they're criticizing. And so (laughs) I went back home, finished everything that I had to do. I got a drink. (laughs) And I was like, all right, I'm going to just drink and then read some of the comments. And thankfully, they all were, I'd say 90% of them were really nice. But it's one of those things. At the end of the day, I think what people don't realize is that we're human. Exactly. So people are just like, oh, wow, these people have it great. They have such a good life. But You and I both work very hard to get where we are. And there's lots of ups and downs that a lot of people don't even see. And yeah, getting criticized, it's not fun. I think over time, you definitely get thicker skin where you're just like, eh, whatever. But if I said it didn't bother me, I'd be lying. But I've definitely managed to shake it off a lot quicker than I used to.
0: Yeah, I agree. You know, if, if ever you're getting criticism from somebody that I call a must-be-nicer, mm-hmm. they're like, must-be-nice. Oh, I get <laughs> that. Must-be-nice. You know, it, that immediately almost negates anything they have to say because they're coming from a place of bitterness mm-hmm. and jealousy, and they're they're just there to bring you down because they want what you have.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: that's not going to be helpful. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They that's say, it. like, it must be nice as if, like, oh, just me being a female in the industry, it was given to me. I'm like, yeah, right. okay. Again, people have no idea what goes on behind closed doors. And I personally, there's a lot of self-doubt. There's days where it's like, oh, I don't want to get out of bed. There's days where I've cried. And then, oh, I got a podcast to record. All right, act like I'm totally normal. It's okay. Like, put those emotions aside. (laughs) And so it is hard work. And I think anything worth having isn't just going to be easily given to you anyway. So definitely, definitely. All right, Sharps Bros. So if you're wanting to start an AK build, you should go check out the MB-47-1913. So it's the newer version of Sharps Bros. All-milled steel AK receiver, which includes the 1913 rail, which allows you to attach a stock or a brace, unlike the original that took a buffer tube. It's been called the best-milled AK receiver by Jim Fuller of Rifle Dynamics. If you guys are into AKs, I'm sure you're aware of Rifle Dynamics. Right now, they're in stock at Atlantic Firearms for $499. Otherwise, head on over to sharpsbros.com and check those out.
0: Tactic Talk discussing popular guns and gear. Love it, hate it, find out now.
1: CMMG has a 22LR conversion for the MK57 Banshee. Seems like this year, a lot of companies unveiled guns that were chambered in 5.7 by 28 millimeter, including the MK57. What's great about the conversion kit is it allows you literally to just change out the bolt carrier group, and then you can shoot 22 lr out of it. You might think like, oh, 22 lr it's a great way to practice with your gun at a much lower cost, and obviously you're using the same exact gun. The conversion kit comes with the BCG and 3 CMMG 25 round 22 LR magazines and it is uh, available for $229. Julie, do you have any experience with CMMG? I don't actually. Um, yeah. I
0: you know all of the stuff that I've used especially for 22s, you know, MP, 1522s and MV22 mm-hmm. compact. So um but I think for a lot of people who are out there who are looking at Different options for twenty-two. It's it's something you know to check out.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that it has twenty-five round magazines too, because nothing's worse than like I have a Chris Vector that I'm actually it's sitting right next to me, and they came out with a larger magazine for it. Before that it was only ten rounds, but it's just like you'd have a bunch of fun like and the next thing you know you run out of ammo. <laughs> but yeah, I, yeah,
0: I I yeah, yeah. mag loading is not fun. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. And you're like, oh man, okay, well that lasted a few seconds. So I do like shooting 22s. I think it's a really great way also to get people started shooting. And it seems like it's a pretty affordable way to to transfer out that gun without having to buy a completely new gun in order for it to be chambered in twenty two. I personally, I don't have a lot of experience with CMMG. Recently, somebody in my Patreon group asked about a CMMG and all the patrons said that their products are pretty good. So I'll take their word for it. But again, I've never owned a CMMG. Actually, I did make a, an AR-9 using their lower, but it's really not the same. All right, Polymer 80. So guys, right now, if you haven't realized, stock is low on everything. If you're looking for an AR-10 or an AR-15 lower, chances are you haven't had the best luck finding one. I definitely recommend check out polymer80.com. They have AR-15 80% and AR10 80% kits on their website available right now. They range from $80 to $100, and you can find that at polymer80.com. Don't forget to use the code GUNFUNNY, and that gets you 15% off of those products.
0: Stupid, funny, cool, interesting, awesome, as f- never mind. AF.
1: Somebody recently sent me this article, and I had a laugh. In Brazil, a new study aims to demonize people who object to mask mandates as psychopaths. Or, I'm sorry, sociopaths. What's the difference between a psychopath and a sociopath?
0: Uh, I don't know exactly the technical way to explain it,
1: but um, we'll go with sociopath then. <laughs>
0: uh, I'm not up on my
1: psychiatry. <laughs> I know, right? I don't sound bad? <laughs> yeah, right. I just know that you don't want to be either. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, new efforts to demonize people who object to the coronavirus restrictions. The CDC's website states that 94% of COVID deaths had serious pre-existing conditions that contributed to or were the direct cause of death. Still, efforts to discredit anyone who objects or questions coronavirus restrictions continues. A new study conducted by researchers in Brazil found that people who Disregard coronavirus measures exhibit higher levels of callousness, deceitfulness, and risk-taking, which they liken to traits of sociopaths. They state that those who refuse to wear masks or ignore social distancing are more likely sociopaths. This study was based on polling results of 1,578 Brazilian adults who were asked about their compliance with COVID-19 measures, with no evidence that anyone polled had any actual sociopath tendencies. They divided the people into two groups based on their answers as an empathy group and an antisocial group. The antisocial group were considered societal risks to others based on the fact that they questioned the rules and refused to conform, which doesn't really make a lot of sense because I would assume if you're antisocial, you would be kind of like you wouldn't want to put yourself out there. You'd be kind of timid and you would just kind of go along with things. A similar study in Poland also added that people who object are more likely to hoard more essentials like toilet paper due to their greedy, competitive, and entitled manner. And they're they're labeling these people with these tendencies with obviously not much solid evidence. But I don't know. I would think that people who are hoarding toilet paper and all that stuff would be, I don't think it would be psychopath. I think that if anything, they would believe more that coronavirus is going to end the world and they have to stock up on supplies. So I don't know. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. But I did think that it was funny. Somebody sent me this and it was a person who ended up having to work from home because he refused to wear a mask at work, even though his boss kind of agrees like, all right, you know, I guess some of the Karens at work turned him in. And he jokes, he's like, all right, I'm getting ready for my long commute to the living room to go to work. (laughs) But he sent me this and he's like, well, I guess I'm a psychopath or no sociopath.
0: Sociopaths. Yeah. You know. How is the science first of all, it's not a study. It's mm-hmm. a media driven mm-hmm. dribble thing, right? It's not even really science. And second of all, I mean it it puts people in two categories, right? So I don't want to wear a mask. But guess what? I wear masks all the time. I'm of the mindset of like, look, my daughter has an illness that puts her at high risk. Mm -hmm. So you know what? I'm going to wear a mask because I don't want to make anybody else sick. Yeah. Does it irritate me that others don't want to when they're around me and my family? Yep, it does because I feel like, why not be nice, right? Because mm-hmm. I like to be nice. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or even more so than the mask thing is the social distance thing. I don't want some dude reaching over me at the grocery store. Just wait two seconds, right? Like, I don't want that normally. Yeah. So just, just be polite. I mean, that's just a polite thing to do. But when you have people out there who are saying that this, if you don't do this, you're a sociopath. Or if you don't do this, you know, you're you're a greedy, you know, person who wants everything to be bad for everybody else. That's mm-hmm. these absolute helping no one. And I think that's the big problem. And you're forced into a category, right? There's yeah. nobody in the middle who's like, yeah, the masking sucks. But you know what, if it helps keep grandma alive, then guess what? That's what I'm going to do mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? It's just, it's crazy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think especially nowadays, I can't go to places like I can't go to the grocery store unless I wear a mask. And it's not one of those things where I'm going to make a scene just because I don't want to wear a mask. But I don't know. Personally, I feel like I touch my face way more wearing a mask than if I didn't. And I'm a germaphobe. So I was a germaphobe before it even became cool. I legit actually think I have a problem (laughs) (sighs) just because, and I'll name two instances. So I had a barbecue a few weeks ago. I could not relax. All I kept thinking was everyone's touching everything. And it was really bothering me. And I think that's when I realized, I think I'm legit OCD, germaphobe. I don't think I could have parties at my house anymore because I was just so tense about it. And then about a week ago, my friend's sister asked if she could drive my car. My car's like brand new, you know, whatever. That didn't really bother me. It wasn't the fact that she could crash it. It was more just she's in my spot. Her hands are touching the steering wheel. I'm going to have to Lysol wipe everything. So I'm pretty out there. And (laughs) it's. It's, it's kind of bad, but I do think that anytime I've gone to the grocery store previously before the whole mask mandate, I would just kind of psych myself up like, hey, you're going to touch products, you're going to touch the car, whatever. No big deal because the minute you get in your car, you have the thing of Lysol wipes. I wipe down my hands, wipe down my credit card, my phone, whatever I touch and problem solved. But I have noticed now I'm touching all these products and then maneuvering my mask because it keeps wanting to rise up or maybe my nose itches or something. And I feel like I'm just putting more germs on my face, but I don't know. It's just, it's so weird. 2020 is just, again, who well, would have thought? We've
0: gotten so many mix, mixed signals from whether things are effective and what's not effective. I, I mean, know. Obviously, social distancing and staying away from people is your
1: best bet. To absolutely. And keeping Let's your hands clean, <laughs> having good right. hygiene, keeping your hands clean. I think that that and staying away from people, maintaining a good right. distance. I absolutely agree with that. Masks, I mean, who knows? Who knows how effective they are? And what bothers me is we're arguing science where I feel like science is factual. It's not gray. It's either black right. or white. So why are so many people saying one or the other? And just, yeah, it's, don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> Moving forward, tri system systems. So you'll probably like this because you like 1911s. Triarch systems, mm-hmm. they have their tri-elevens, which Are made really well. They're not just single stack, they're double stack. So if you're a 1911 fan, but you're not a fan of the mag capacity with the single stack and you want some upgraded parts, definitely check out Triarch Systems. They operate just really smoothly and you could check it out at triarchsystems.com. Don't forget to use the code AVA, A V A, for 5% off. Now it's time for iTunes reviews. And it says here, my editor wrote that we are all out of iTunes reviews. So if you guys have not left a review, please do so so that I have this section to talk about next show. <laughs> and it also yeah, just, leave a yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Leave a review so that otherwise I'm gonna be like, well, no reviews today. All right. Moving forward. <laughs> <laughs> so today's first review is not great review titled glad I took the class five stars. I recently found your podcast after taking a class with you. I am enjoying catching up on past episodes. I'm a fan. Next is not a great review. I don't know. Maybe they initially created their account to write a bad review, but then they had the account oh. and then they found mine. So, <laughs>
0: And then you got five stars. Okay. That's yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Look, I'm not questioning the name. As long as it's a five stars and it says something nice, hey, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> Second is Skins0021. Great listening for hashtag CoronaPocalypse2020. Five stars. I have commented on IG, but wanted to totally catch up before leaving a review. Ava and guests are great for 2A Entertainment, have learned about several products from her sponsors that will be purchased in the future. And now it is time to wrap up. So if you guys want to find me on social media or anything like that, links to whatever, just head on over to gunfunny.com. If you want to support the show, you should consider becoming a Patreon. Recently, we actually had quite a few people join. And what's fun about that is, regardless of the level of Patreon that you are, you get access to our Patreon only group and Facebook. And I think we have really good conversations, lots of laughs, and I just think it's fun. If nothing else, it puts you into a drawing to win a blown deadline Sarah coat giveaway, $300. And that is going to be drawn every month. I wanted to thank the $25 Patrons who are Corbin Bonafide Iraq Veteran 8888. Ryan Morrison, Elliot and Mike Pappas, Joe Lyons, Justin Paulson, Jason Anderson, Joshua Hamp, Sportsman's Guide, Daniel Treadwell, Star Wars 77, and Ralph Picardo. Hopefully I said that right. If not, message me, let me know. King of the Patreon is still Jon Snow. He wants me to say the show Survivor had the original premise of putting people on an island with operator tickles. There were no survivors. And <laughs> Julie... <laughs> Are you familiar with tickles? That's my dog.
0: <laughs> oh, just makes so much more sense. Now. Yeah. Yeah.
1: She has an Instagram, tack underscore tickles, tacticals. And everybody thinks Aww. she's a boy, but she's not. She's a girl, but she's super cute. <laughs> but anyways, Julie, I wanted to tell you how much I appreciate you joining me and making this episode special, especially announcing Smith and Wesson and, and doing it with you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're <laughs> teammates. Just don't ask me to fill in for you on a competition. I don't really want to hurt the team like that.
0: <laughs> but no, it's been so much fun. I appreciate being back on. It's been great.
1: Absolutely. Can you just remind people once again, you said as long as they spell your name, they can find you on Facebook, Instagram, website, and that is Julie Golub and that's G O L O B, correct? Correct. All right. Awesome. Well, on that note, we are out of here.
0: Want to send feedback? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact.